what these young bloods have to understand that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Welcome to Buckets, brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. Just flew in from Vegas. Boy, are my arms tired. That's an old, old joke. Uh, today <laughs> is your NBA best bets for Monday. And, of course, we're going to check in with the future Jays. We'll get into uh, the in-season tournament. We'll kind of wrap that up in a bow. We'll talk about uh, how we managed to hedge or did not Tyrese Halliburton at exorbitant numbers to uh, – to win MVP of the in-season tournament. Congrats to LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers. Long-suffering franchise finally gets a win. You always love to see it. Uh, we'll talk about best bets. We will... I have a number of best bets. I have best bets that, that I made based off of the analysis that I did following the game on Saturday night and then looking at some numbers on Sunday morning uh, as I flew back to Vegas. So we're going to get into all that and more, and you can find all that in the award-winning Action Network app. You're gonna find you're gonna find awesome stuff. You're gonna find so much good stuff. Joining me as always, the future Jays. I got Joe Delera and Jim Turvey. Jim Turvey is in the Action Network app and on Twitter at Turvey Betts. Joe Delera is in the Action Network app and on Twitter at Joe Delera, D E L L E R A. And uh, yeah, boys, glad to be back with you. I am uh, a little frazzled from spending several days in the weirdness of Las Vegas and watching <laughs> um, the in season tournament. Uh, let's get do best bets for Monday, and then we'll wrap up the in-season tournament. So, as always, we start by giving you the picks. Uh, Jim Turvey, what have you got for me on a loaded and uh, on a Monday where I'm going to lose a lot of money? I'm just going to go ahead and get that out of the way right now. I love the slate. I start like I started doing bets as soon as I got back to Colorado and was like, oh, I like that. Oh, I like that. Oh, I like that. Oh, I like that. And then I look up and I'm like, well, this is not going to go well. I am uh, overextended on Monday. What have you got for your best bets on the Monday slate? Uh, I am with you. I think it's a really, really fun slate. There's lots of little spots to find, to dig into. Um, but my, I, I cut it down. I had, I had even more. I cut it down to three. And we're going to do uh, Dallas Mavericks, Memphis Grizzlies under 227. We're going to do Nets plus five. And we're going to do Isaiah Hartenstein rebound escalators. Joe Dallara, what are your best bets for the Monday slate? I like the Minnesota Timberwolves plus three and a half. Nikola Vucevic over. 33.5 points, rebounds, and assists. And I like Randall-related props. So uh, I'm with you, Jim, on some Knicks pivots with Mitchell Robinson out. I have got the Orlando Magic minus two at home versus the Cleveland Cavaliers. I've got Spurs Rockets under 224.5. I've got Nets plus 5.5 versus the Kings, which is absolutely my favorite bet on the board. There is no way that the Nets cover this number because of how much I love this bet. Like the sheer amount that I love this bet <laughs> guarantees that they're going to light the beam and comfortably on uh, Monday night. I will throw out a couple more. <laughs> I also like the Sixers <laughs> minus 12 and a half. Uh, I also like the Mavericks minus two and a half. I also like the Chicago Bulls plus 11. Um, and I like uh, the under in Portland and the Clippers 220. So like I said, it's it's a good day to, to bet the NBA and, and you know, 
we'll hope how it goes well. Uh, let's start with let's start with Joe Delera. All right, so the Minnesota Timberwolves. As I check my sheet on my fancy new monitor, as I'm very excited for this, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves <laughs> take it on the New Orleans Pelicans, fresh off an absolute clown show performance in Las Vegas. Just it takes a look. I've been doing this for a long time now. It's gonna be oh god, it it's it's gonna be 16 years next year that I've been doing this. And so, like, you learn. Like, you don't overreact to one game. You certainly don't react to a game in December. You just don't do it. Like, there's a lot of stuff that goes on with these teams. You can't do it. I'm out on the Pelicans. Out. Cross them <laughs> off. No. No. They're not winning a playoff series. They're not winning a division. They're not winning. They Like, they could make the playoffs. Sure. They can get in. Eight teams get in. But I'm done with this clown show. Tell me why you like the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, well, I like the Wolves in this spot. Look, I think that the the Wolves have been one of the best teams in the league this year. They're, I think they are the best team in the league so far record-wise, right? Um, they're third in adjusted net. They're first in adjusted defense. The offense has been acceptable, right? Like, it's about league average or right in the middle. Um, the big thing, like, when I looked at this line, I know that Anthony Edwards kind of popped on the report. So we'll see whether he's available or not. But to me, right now, the way that the Minnesota Timberwolves are constructed, this is a Rudy Gobert team. <laughs> like, it, I, it's, it sounds crazy to really say that, but he has completely anchored this defense. And as long as he's playing, I'm very comfortable uh, backing the Minnesota Timberwolves. I feel like Finch has kind of gotten them uh, in order. Like, they've got that full year under their belts, all playing together. You know, you've seen that rapport between Cat and Rudy, uh, and, you know, and Ant, and you're, you're getting, you're, the team is playing cohesively together on the flip side you have new orleans who just got an ass beating in vegas and i think the the line is insane to me like i i don't know why they're favored um i get that like they're healthy they pretty much have everybody together but i think it's like when, when i saw this line i was like all right well maybe after they just got absolutely destroyed by the lakers we might see them as like a home dog and instead i see them laying three and a half to minnesota who's been the best team in the western conference in terms of record this season and i just i don't get it i don't i don't see it and even if ant doesn't play minnesota's play such good team basketball such good team defense i i really do like the spot i think it's going to be very tough for new orleans to generate enough offense against this minnesota team especially with Jaden mcdaniels possibly even returning in this spot too you know what i needed joe i needed something else to bet on the on this monday slate that's what i needed <laughs> i'm currently if you're watching on youtube i am currently pulling out a power cord why am I just distracted and this is bad podcasting? No, it's because my phone's out of power and I need it in order to bet the Minnesota Timberwolves. I'm tailing Joe on this. What? I don't know how I missed it. I think I just glanced over. It was like, oh, that's like a right around the number. You know why? Because I have the Wolves at this number. Like this is. I, I don't get it. Like I don't get it. Hashtag wrong team favored. How's that ever going to go wrong? Uh, Jim. Yeah. Like how do you. Like, Jim. Jim. Do you while, think while, they played? Well, I scramble. To get myself to bet MGM, King of Sportsbook, to bet this. What are your thoughts on the Wolves? Yeah, I'm pretty surprised by this line, too. I'll, I'll say this. I am, you know, you, you said it, Matt. Like, you can't do a one-game thing. And I I was actually, you know, we, we were coming on to pod on Thursday, Joe, me, you, and Brandon. And I was, we, we did that exercise at the end where we talked through, you know, committee, four teams to go. I was pretty ready if the Pelicans looked great to have them as not the fourth team, but a team that I really wanted to talk about. Because I 
I, I fall for this team hook, line, and sinker every time. Herb Jones and Trey Murphy, those are guys that I just want on a team. But I do think that the Zion of it and maybe the Brandon – Brandon Ingram to me is kind of the epitome of how I actually feel about this Falcons team. Like very inconsistent, really high ceiling, draws me in time and time again, tricks me by doing things like hitting you know those type of tough shots that really do come up in the playoffs more often. But the Zion of it is what I'm actually worried about. He looks like he doesn't care. He looks like he is – like once again, we're here again with Zion, and that has me far more worried than anything else. I think from a day-to-day basis – I'm not quite as low on them as you guys are. I still think that this is a team that on any given night, because of the the like length and versatility and three-point shooting that they do have, I think they're, they'll be decent. But I am with you, Matt, in terms of a, a bigger scale fear of them in the postseason. The, 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 the consistency is just not there. And unless Zion somehow does stuff that we have really only seen in one season from Zion. And even that season, that was a long time ago before he put on all this extra weight. It just, you know, I'm, I'm putting on extra weight. I know it's, it's, I'm not a professional athlete, but it's hard to, to keep that off when you keep getting older and older that the metabolism slows. So I, until I see it from Zion, I I'm not in on this Pelican team as much as I had, had hoped to be because I love so much about them. Joe's the one you gotta worry about because he's got the, the the kiddo on the way, so he's gonna pick up that sympathy. <laughs> that's, that's the, I know, I know. It's, I, it's I'm brutal. gonna have to just like transfer it to dumbbells or something. It'll be fine. Um, <laughs> so I will say that for me, this is not like a oh, like the wolves are dogs to the pelicans, therefore, and the pelicans look like clown show, fraudulent shit bags. So therefore, we must bet now. Like this is a wolves bet for me. This is just like no, Minnesota has been like. Yeah, I mean, for awesome. me, it's like a power. It's just a number play. Like even with Pelicans home court where they've been good, I have this Wolves minus four. I'm getting seven points of value. And if you say like Anthony Edwards is still on, on the injury report, questionable. Sure. Accurate. Uh, yeah. Anthony Edwards can't be worth that much to the spread. Anthony Edwards and, and, just can't be worth seven points to the spread. So I got like I got to bet the other yeah. side of here. Yeah, that and I mean, New Orleans, like they got Trey Murphy back, which is great for because they needed a little bit of three point shooting. They don't take a lot of threes. They're scoring in the paint. Yeah, you're not scoring in the paint against Rudy Gobert. Yeah. It's just not happening. Yeah. So like it's it's a bad matchup anyway, I think. Let's go to Jim and let's go to before we dive into exactly how much I love the Brooklyn Nets and the later matchup. Uh, let's go to Dallas Mavericks under 227. Jim, give me the cap. Yeah, so this is one of those I love where I'm eyeing an under for both teams and they happen to play against each other. So I'll say it's more for Dallas, so let's wait on that for a second. But I will point out that Memphis, that defense is starting to come around. You know, I think that was part of the floor of this team that we thought before the season. Now the offense has been so bad that they haven't even been able to turn it around even as the defense has gotten better. But they're now a top 10 defense by cleaning the glass. And last two weeks, they're seventh. So that that is very much trending in the right direction for Memphis. But Dallas is the side of this I'm really interested by. They got no Kyrie now. There's no Grant Williams. And Dallas quietly of late, their their offense has slipped. They, they're the third-ranked defense overall for the season. That's all the way down to 10th for the last two weeks. And inversely, they've been playing better defense. Um, it was 23rd-ranked. It's uh, up to 13th. So we have a lot of combination of factors of kind of recent play that are all pointing towards an under here. So I, I really like that from both sides of it. And then add the the no Kyrie kind of cherry on top. And, and I think this is a great look at an under here. Memphis defense has been better. Uh, I'm on Mavs minus two. So I'll kind of give the, my cap on that, which is like, you're right. The defense has been better uh, and more. And like, that's what we thought would be good back in those halcyon days when we all were very bullish on Memphis. <laughs> Uh, remember those days like 
when Brandon nope, gets done was, with, I don't, I don't remember that. When Brandon gets done <laughs> with football, I'm just gonna we're gonna have one of those like 15 person zooms, and we're all gonna go around in a circle, and it's gonna be like a meeting of like, "Hi, my name's Matt. I bet on the Grizzlies to win the division and to be the one seed at 30 to one, and we're just gonna get like." I honestly do want to do like an episode that that kind of gets into because I've been, I've asked a lot of people this of was that cap wrong, right? Based off of the knowledge that we had at the time, which was that Stephen Adams was going to be able to play, like was that cap wrong or not? And I've gone back and forth on it of like, well, I really thought Stephen Adams would be okay, and it, and if you're listening to this and you're like Stephen Adams is not the difference in how bad this team is and where they are, I would kind of argue the opposite. Like sometimes you need the it's. It's the Lebowski thing. He's the rug that pulls the room together. And without him, the the, the bottom of the floor falls into a, a pit of hell where demons stab you with hot forks. And so <laughs> um, that's that's all beside the point of, of this game. The Mavericks have really dominated Memphis historically um, over the last couple of years, especially when Luka plays. Like, Luka loves beating this team. And they just, they beat him when they were, the, when Memphis was without everybody else and Luka sat. And so I kind of think that they're going to get back in on on that on this one. So I I for me, uh, this was a pretty easy one to lay the points just because I don't think Memphis, Memphis is better, but Memphis also isn't good. Um, I will say, unfortunately, like I have this projected slightly over, uh, built off of the fact that I, I even with like the defense being better, Dallas's floor has been so high. Can you talk to me a little bit? I want to follow up with you there. When you say that Dallas's offense has slipped a little bit. What has been like the big thing? Have you noticed anything in particular that has slipped with them in the, that you can kind of identify? No Kyrie for this game, which feels also relevant. Yeah, well, in all fairness, they have been without a couple of players. I know Hardaway was out of the lineup for a little while. And, you know, he, he is about as empty a bucket as you can find, but he is a bucket. And he's also very key for that bench unit as well, um, which kind of has those like rangy young wings who are can be very hit or miss on certain nights. So I think he is kind of like that stabilizing factor that, you know, you're getting 15 to 18 points a night for off the bench from him, which is pretty key for their offense. Now, he will be uh, he is back in the lineup now. So that's maybe, you know, a counter to that. Um, but I think I I think that, you know, I'd have to dig in a little bit deeper on their opponents in this to see, you know, if that was also played a role in it. But I think combined with the the lack of Kyrie, the way Memphis's defense is trending and the way Dallas's defense is trending as well. Um, you know, even if there's a little bit of noise in, in the offense there, I think overall I still like the under here. OK, um, when Luca plays since the bubble, when Luca plays versus the Grizzlies since the bubble, Seven and one straight up. Dallas is six and two against the spread. That's a tiny sample, but I will just tell you, like these two teams don't like each other. Like there's, there's, as is the case with Memphis and I don't know most teams in the association, um, they don't like each other. And so I think a lot of it is the jaw stuff. But even beyond that, so I just think that Luke is going probably going to put up like an insane number here, uh, and I'll go ahead and lay the points with the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, let's go out to Joe. And let's go to, you got a prop here, Nikola Vucevic over 33.5 points, rebounds, assists, Joe. Yeah, so I like this against the the Bucks, and a large large part of this is I like the matchup for him straight up against Brook Lopez. Um, I think that Vooch is kind of one of those guys where 
Milwaukee, number one, like if he's scoring, like it's not like the end of the world, right? Like that's something that they're excited, like that they're fine with. He can stretch the floor. He's been actually pretty good on making his threes in this matchup too. So I was considering the over one and a half threes versus the PRA versus the points. And in this spot, I actually like the combo prop. Um, he's over this in seven of his last t- 10 regular season games head to head against Brooke Lopez. Uh, and he's hit that in both games this season. Additionally, when we look at this, we know Zach Levine's hurt. So Zach Levine's going to be out for an extended period of time. So there should be a little bit more offense going his way. And part of why I wanted to leave the rebounds in, even though it's against a team like Milwaukee, with I, I've envisioned DeMar DeRozan will probably take a little bit more of an offensive load, especially because Milwaukee's been so poor against uh, against guards. Um, DeRozan takes that like mid-range type of jumper, which is going to contribute to the fact that he's probably going to have some misses that are a little bit like closer to the basket. And that's kind of a rebound that I think Vooch can kind of pick up. So I like the over 33 and a half PRA here. I think he can score. I think he kind of he gets a couple of those like dishes just by being a little bit more involved in the offense. Uh, so I do like the spot at the 33 and a half PRA. In a related bit of news, uh, I'm on the Chicago Bulls plus 11 here. And this is a combination of the spot in the moment combined with a trend that to me is really important this season. Um, the but like basically the Bulls without Zach Levine look <laughs> look like they want to be alive and playing basketball. And that yeah. makes me sad as somebody that likes the way that Zach Levine plays basketball. But don't worry, because he's going to get a shot with your defending in-season tournament champs come playoff time. Um, <laughs> but, like, they're playing really well. Like, Kobe White's playing really well. The bigger reason that I'm actually on the Bulls, though, is this is a, this is a Bucks fade. Um, I'm trying very hard not to go overboard with Milwaukee. Okay? Milwaukee's not a bad team. Milwaukee's not going to miss the playoffs. Milwaukee is not going to um, be a lottery team. Giannis asks out, et cetera, et cetera. Like, Milwaukee's going to be fine because they have Giannis and they have Dame and they have Brooke Lopez and they have Chris Middleton. Um, and, and that's really good. And they have some guys on the bench that aren't playing necessarily great right now, but they'll be okay. And the Adrian Griffin thing. No, the Adrian Griffin thing's bad. It's it's bad. It's and everybody knows it. Okay, you go to these like NBA events and like people talk about the same stuff. It's bad. Okay, now it might be temporarily bad, and he gets better. Okay, one thing that's been true if you've been listening to buckets for a while, you know that one of our favorite things to do historically is smash the Bucks in division games. Bud was so good at them; they were absolutely incredible under Mike Budenholzer. Uh, from 2019 until this season when Bud left, because he was asked to leave by security, um, when the Bucks had a division game, the Bucks went over that span 51 and 12 straight up and 62%, 37, 23, and 3 against the spread versus opponents who you play all the time. All the time you play those teams. And yet, um, they were absolutely dominant versus those squads under Mike Budenholzer. So how have they been in division games under Adrian Griffin, you might ask? Two and three straight up, 0 oh and five against the spread. All right. I, I totally get that, like, people are going to be like, divisions? Really? 
really divisions. I don't even know what the divisions are. Fair. Think of it this way. These are teams that you play more often. And the teams that have played Milwaukee more often, who usually have been absolutely destroyed because Milwaukee knows how to play them, instead, they are 0-5 against the spread. So I'm grabbing the 11 with the Bulls, Jim. Yeah, actually, this was on my long list as well. And I was with you. I was on the Bulls uh, side of this as well. And I'll say one thing. You mentioned Kobe White. That's another one that I had debated throwing out there. Kobe White is has been playing amazing. Last last nine games, he's averaging uh, 22-5-5, basically. Um, they, they played the Bucks during this stretch. Um, he got up 20 field goal attempts. He had 23 points. Um, his, his points prop right now is at 19.5. I like that. I also might even do like a little, you know, little step ladder, get him at 25 as well. Um, I think he, you know, he's one of the quickest guys in the league and we've seen how the Bucks uh, backcourt has struggled this year defensively against guys like that. So um, I'm with you on the Bulls and I think Kobe White, if you want to do a little, you know, put together a little correlated parlay on that. Um, I think those two are, are pretty tied together. So um, I'll be looking at that as well. I'm going to have like 800 bets on Monday night. I'm just, this is so exciting. Uh, I, I've been better about being more discerning, but these spots are really good. Uh, Jim, let's go to you and let's hit the Isaiah Hartenstein rebound escalators. Give me the cap for that. Yeah, for sure. So Joe mentioned this in the beginning. This is this is Mitchell Robinson being out. So um, Hartenstein last game had 16 rebounds. Um, so Mitch left midway through the game um, and Hartenstein saw the the his minutes jump. He saw his rebound opportunities jump. He does, he does not play at the same time as Robinson. So this is much more his minutes going up um, than the actual opportunities when he's on the court. Um, But when Mitch was out last season, he averaged 8.2, but he had a lot of high ceiling ones, which is why I'm going to be looking at some of the extremes here Um, in less than a month that he was um, the, the primary center. He, he reached 14, 14 and 13 rebounds. Um, and then if, if we get a Jericho Sims prop somehow, I might be looking to play some of his stuff. Um, I think, I think, um, Tibbs isn't going to be looking to play Hardenstein a lot more than 30 minutes, which leaves, you know, a good 18 to 20 minutes for Sims. Um, so I'll be looking at, at both of those guys, but Hardenstein in particular, while Mitch is out, I think the rebounds last year when, when Mitch went out, I tried to do the PRA with him. He just doesn't score all that much to be honest his assists might pop a little bit so maybe if you really like a rebounds and assists but he's content taking two field goal attempts a game it's the rebounds that really pop and and maybe an assist or two here but um i think with with mitch out for you know might be a little bit here that that might be a prop that i'm going back to the well on for a little bit yeah i i like that spot uh i think you're right in terms of heart getting the minutes um and sims didn't play against boston when mitch got hurt so i think it's yeah. no, that's definitely notable i liked randall in this game too for similar reasons and in part because i think the matchup is pretty good against the raptors who like their size like he kind of the knicks kind of match up like interestingly i think size wise against toronto and randall has been like great in these spots um he's got six straight double doubles uh some big assist games as well uh but he's even got some like he's got like 19 15 13 14 over the past couple of years for his rebounds so i i think that randall who's looked great recently um i'm curious to just see where his lines come out uh i i would probably be leaning for like a pra on randall as well i think it's probably like a a little bit more of like a well-rounded game for him in this game in the spot against the raptors too so i I think you can get both to be honest and Brunson's questionable as of now so yeah that that might be really that's probably why the props aren't out yet but i mean that could be a, a usage that could be a monster game from randall i like that a lot too 
staying yeah. away from the side because of those injuries that you mentioned. I don't want to uh, mess around with the side or total on this. Uh, I will say this. I will point this out that um, the Knicks, when they face an opponent who they average more offensive rebounds per game than, which is, you would imagine, most of the league, uh, they are 56% against the spread in those spots. And they do, in hmm. fact, grab a higher average of offensive rebounds. Than the I'm a little record. worried though that Mitch is one of those guys that yep. uh, like he's going to be. They right. say he's worth a point, but I think he might be worth a lot more. And I might even look at. Yeah. I know we just said a bunch of escalators. A Knicks team total under honestly intrigues me because he does so much heavy lifting, getting them second chances. That I think that's the kind of guy that the spread struggles to account for. Um, Great point, Joe. Do you want anything on the Randall related props? You kind of talked about it, but do you have, do you have anything else on there? The- yeah, just no, just kind of like I'm looking for a PRA, especially if Brunson's out. Um, I think he's obviously going to have an even bigger offensive load. But either, either way, I think that, you know, he's this is a good matchup for him head to head. Buckets is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, uh, it's time. Well, first, I will do this one really quickly. Uh, I'm on Orlando Magic, minus two. Uh, So they're playing the Cleveland Cavaliers. This is a duplex spot. They played on Wednesday, and the Cavaliers randomly got it together. It was really funny because the Cavaliers led by, like, 19, and I was like, what the hell? I guess the Cavs are good again. And then the Magic came all the way back. And I was like, nope, the Cavs are the Cavs again. But then it was just late enough for the Cavs to get the win. But the Magic are home now, and they're favored. And that changes the dynamic quite a bit. By the way, um, the Orlando, I look, I've been looking at offensive rebounds quite a bit. And Orlando is 10 and five against the spread this season when they have an offensive rebounding advantage per game. And the Cavs surprisingly, Mm -hmm. because they play a lot of two on ball are not great on the offensive glass. So like, this is actually a pretty good spot. There's a bunch of trends that back uh, Orlando here. Orlando has been one of the best ATS teams overall, but also this has been um, a spot where teams that are favored and then or that are on the road and lose, and then they come home, they do tend to get right once they they face the same opponent. So if you're on the road and you lost the last game and you come home and you play that game, the team within a week, uh, the numbers are basically 53% against the spread, which is not necessarily like, oh my gosh. It's more that in this spot, it's enough for it to be profitable on a pretty wide sample that you're pretty good in those kind of spots. I liked Orlando in that first matchup because I have them power rated better. I have, I have an edge on this number. Um, and so I don't necessarily like Cleveland's really inconsistent. So I'm going to go back to the well here and I'm going to lay the two with the magic again. Joe, should I leave this one yeah. alone since I got it wrong the first time? Or is this a good spot for Orlando? I actually, I like it too. I was on Orlando last game. Oh, same, literally same thing. Um, and, I was on Palo stuff and Palo crushed, right? But then now even in this matchup, Mobley's going to be out. So that's a pretty significant injury for Cleveland to be dealing with too. Mm, so yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense to go back to to Orlando. They've had like plenty of time to like sit on this one, stew on it and be like, we're going to come out firing. Like we're winning this game. 
with uh, this season home court adjustment, I think the seven, which is heavy, but I, even if I were to like kind of tamp it down, I would still get this to to minus five with how mm-hmm. Orlando's played at home. They're nine and two ATS uh, at home this season. They've been really great. Uh, Jim, any thoughts on that one? Yeah, I, uh, ironically, this was yet another spot that I had as on the long list as well. And I was with you guys on Magic. Um, I, I kind of, in my mind, was looking at uh, something that Joe said as well. I think the Mobley factor is pretty big. They also are missing, going to be missing Levert off the bench. He, you know, he's pretty dynamic off the bench. We kind of talked about that with Dallas and, you know, how that kind of props up their offense off the bench. Cleveland very much the same. Their, their bench unit is not great. Um, they really rely on Levert for for that bench scoring. So um, I'm with you as well. So I, I can't talk you out of it. Sorry. Can't talk you out of it. That's a Jayism. That's like Jay Money's. On, on <laughs> no, nobody more like Jay than Jim Turvey. Um, I want Spurs Rockets under 224 and a half. That's a uh, model play. I just have it projected down at 219 and a half. Houston's defense has gotten itself together. They, they're rough on the road, but they're so good at home. Uh, and they're coming off of two really good wins. And they're starting to get more momentum again. And the defense is back. And they're rested. And there's just a lot of reasons why I don't think San Antonio is going to be able to get the score up on the Rockets. Like, the Rockets are not a great offensive team. But they're a very good defensive team. And so um, everything kind of matches up here. There's a lot of trends to support um, San Antonio in this spot as well. All right, Jim. It's time. You know who who my favorite team of, like the like, when I started looking at stuff, I love the Brooklyn Nets. I love this team. They shoot a shit ton of threes. They cover all sorts of numbers. The number one team against the spread. I am buying high, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take Knicks or Nets plus five and a half versus the Knicks. What are your thoughts on this one? I I am walking there right right next to you. Yeah, against against the Kings. Yeah, I'm I'm in lockstep with you on this one. Um, this is probably my favorite side of. It is my favorite side of the day. Um, I make it nearly a pick 'em, like you said as well. Uh, Brooklyn, you you point out they're the best team against the spread for the season as a whole. They're also the best team against the spread in the last two weeks. So this isn't you know some kind of stale trend we're getting here. They've won six out of seven. Um, one thing I thought kind of funny. Um, so Michael Bridges. He started the season a little slow, and actually the other day I was listening to you know uh, some, a, a big name podcast out there. I'll put it that way, and uh, was saying that Bridges, you know, maybe he wasn't quite what we had thought he was, um, and you know that was true for the first ten games. And I'll say it was true that the game that this player played against said big podcasters team, but uh, I think maybe he zoned out a little bit after that because um, since then Bridges is averaging twenty six six and four. And has looked every bit the kind of you know key piece that we thought he was going to be last year. Having Claxton back is massive. Um, the Nets are really fun. They're like a top ten team by most metrics now. Adjusted net rating, they're eleventh, um, but by you know their overall record, they're eighth. Uh, simple rating system right around there as well. So I think this Nets team is really flying under the radar again, and a team that when they're healthy, and I don't even think they need Simmons to be healthy. I don't think anyone was was thinking that Simmons was going to be included in what constitutes healthy for the nets yeah they're fun they're they're really pesky and and they're the kind of team that can fly under the radar for a while um in the nba which is really hard to do um the betting nba so yeah i'm gonna be all over this with you i'll probably uh take money line as well um i I think it's a great spot for for a ton of value on brooklyn my numbers do not like the kings do not and there's a little bit of bias i think in there because mine's a little bit more weighted off to a half court offense but a lot of the advanced metrics are, are kind of screaming that the Kings are not as good as their record. And what happened was they kind of started off and they weren't good and they were without Fox. 
And so when Fox got back and is averaging 30, everyone's like, ah, 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 they were good all along. They just needed De'Aaron Fox. But they've started to wobble a little bit. And now it looks much more like, no, 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 like they just may not be that good of a team. Not that that, that phrasing is important here. I'm not saying the Kings aren't good. I am saying I don't think that they're as good as the right as the record indicates. Um, my power rating in particular, I'm giving them a three point manual bump, just to like offset how much my numbers are like. Warning, warning! This team blows. Warning! Like I'm like no no no, it's fine, computer. It's okay. It's okay. We're still gonna make them a plus power rating team. But even then, um, I do have this uh, projected like Jim at a pick'em. So to go back over a long list of of best bets for the Monday slate, <laughs> I'm on Magic minus two, Spurs Rockets under two twenty four and a half. I like Bulls plus eleven, Nets plus five and a half versus the the Kings with Jim Turvey. Joe's on the Wolves plus three and a half. He likes Nikola Vucevic over thirty three and a half PRA. Randall props as well uh, in that Knicks matchup versus the Raptors. Jim is on Hartenstein rebound escalators in that matchup versus the Raptors. Uh, he's also on Nets plus five with me and Dallas Memphis under 227. You should have enough to bet now. We have given you <laughs> enough to bet now. Uh, let's wrap up the IST. Let's talk a little bit about the end season tournament. So Los Angeles Lakers get the win on Saturday night. I don't remember. I got a worse number on Hallie because I always get the worst of the numbers. It's basically like Jim <laughs> and Joe and Brandon in a separate group chat find like a great number. And then we come on the podcasts. <laughs> And I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm going to bet that. And then, like, they have a way better number than I am. Not that I'm hurt. Um, but they had 70 to 1. I had, uh, I think, 42 to 1 on Halley on a half unit. And so I was, like, I just hedged immediately. I hedged in-game. There was a book that was offering in-game mm-hmm. uh, the in-season tournament odds for the Lakers while the Lakers were mopping up the Pelicans. And so I just like hit it and hit it and hit it over and over and over again. So I hedged effectively out of it. Joe, as a resident Tyrese Halliburton super fan, um, what was your approach with your big 70 to one ticket on Tyrese Halliburton for in-season tournament MVP? So I did the same thing um, that you did. I saw that it was live and I just hedged it. And then I just, uh, there was a MGM actually had minus 120 for LeBron to win MVP. And I was like, there is not a chance that it's going to anybody else. I was like, I, and I was like, I don't care. Anthony Davis could have the game of his life and it's not going to Anthony Davis, which is quite literally what happened. <laughs> um, so, so like, I just wasn't really worried about it. I, I hedged very significantly because I thought that that was such a bad matchup for Indiana. Um, and like, I wanted normally like I wouldn't want to hedge as much as I hedged. I wish I hedged more honestly so that I had I would have won more like if LeBron won than if Hallie won. Um I didn't do that cuz I was like I like if this happens I want to be able to tout this ticket. Um so like I didn't go that far but I I hedged pretty significantly. Um I wanted to bring back cuz I had a quarter unit to win 17. So I wanted to bring back like 8 uh, so it was it was a pretty big hedge, but I I did it just was a, that that spot was so bad I thought for Indiana against LeBron and the Lakers just just everything about that was such a disaster scenario for Indiana um, that that's probably that's really why I hedged it because it's like I don't normally want to give back when I get such a good number but it seemed to be it would be like uh malfeasance almost to not to not have hedged a bit there <laughs> you have to be so confident 
that, that's my thing is like i'm always hedging because i'm just never that confident i'm just never going to be like no, no no this is the right side i feel absolutely good about this um jim did you have a zion ticket as well like most of us did. So I, if it makes you feel better, I whiffed on Halliburton entirely because I think the whole thing got hatched. Like maybe I was like traveling or something. I don't know, but I missed Halliburton entirely. So I was rooting for it to happen because I like my friends and I like my friends to have money. But I actually was on the sidelines for that. And I was rooting for Zion because I did have a Zion ticket from before the season. Um, and that I did not hedge. I was irrationally high on the Pelicans and Same. once again, irrationally low on the Lakers. So um i i actually didn't have many hedges i watched what turned out to be not all that entertaining of a final without a whole lot of uh betting stuff on it to be honest so the lakers were going to win that game for a lot of reasons the, the pacers couldn't hit a three because the lakers played really physical they did a, an excellent job if you want like x's and o's like talk about the lakers and how good they are uh they played they were the only team that was like hey what if we just like didn't let tyrese halliburton carve us to pieces like what if we like i don't know stop tyrese halliburton um which no one else figured out. Like Boston and Milwaukee were like, what do you mean? We're just going to play him <laughs> straight up. And he just, he destroyed them. And the Lakers went into that game and were like, look, we're just going to play super aggressive at the level of the screen because we have weak side rotation from either LeBron James or Anthony Davis. And having those two quarterbacking your back line is so important. That back line <laughs> rotation, if you're going to play aggressively at the edge and pick and roll, you have to have perfect execution it's got to be timing and communication to be able to call out when you're the low man cutting under to help on the short roll and to be able to call out where the rotation needs to come and they were on point every single time lebron was perfect on every single, and it's not just the timing on those because like that's schematic it's also about the way that you challenge because you can challenge miles turner on a rotation or isaiah jackson who was pretty good in this game or any of these other guys obi you can you can make the rotation in terms of timing, but if your technique isn't good, if you're not physical without fouling, they're still going to pick up points. And the Lakers were marvelous at that. That said, the fouls in this game were out of control on both ends, and it was like a sluggish drag of a game, which is exactly the opposite of what the kind of game that Indiana wants to play. Indiana yeah. can't exert their, their like <laughs> Indiana's thing is no matter what you're playing at our pace you might beat the shit out of us because you we have no defense but we're gonna play fast and loose with a lot of threes and instead the officials were like well what if we just like took two dribbles and then we stopped the game like every single time. time and it wasn't like one side or the other there was a bad stretch in the second quarter where the lakers got a lot of bad calls there were calls in the third quarter i thought that were pretty bad against the lakers but overall that type of game i'm not saying that this is like the lake the 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 Pacers the Pacers weren't gonna beat the Lakers anyway. They had no shot if this wasn't gonna be a variance game and it was unable to be because of the way that that game played out. Um to wrap up the Pelicans very briefly here, Jim. Uh I was with you. I was like the Pelicans are the best team in this Western group. They're the best team. They should win this. And so I hedged with like LeBron MVP once he got to Vegas, like once he made it to the, the the semifinals. But like I was pretty tentative because I was like, I think the Pelicans are better. And as we talked about before, like the Pelicans were so unprofessional in that game. Like that was an unprofessional import, uh, performance. And I don't care if you have an unprofessional performance on a weekday. 
like the Pelicans benefit from that a lot because if like the Kings and Mavericks have spent days in, in New Orleans and then have had terrible games versus the Pelicans, guess why? And that stuff happens and that's fine. But this was like a major stage. This was an opportunity for you to one, win $200,000 at minimum, if not $500,000. And two, put yourself on like a stamp of like, no, no, no. We're a team you have to deal with. And instead, the Pelicans were just clown shells. It was embarrassing how they played, how they competed. And so, like I said earlier, like Jim, like I was with you. And it's not just that I had high hopes and were dashed. It's the way that that went. If they just had like a normal bad performance and lost by 12, fine. But I just can't take this team seriously if this is who they're led by in Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. Well, a thousand percent. And I, I think it's, it really is interesting in, on, on both sides of that. Actually, I, I agree with you 100%. And I, I, you know, earlier this episode, we were saying from a from a big scale picture, I am now, you know, I was really high on the Pelicans. And I, I really am hesitant to to talk about them as a Western Conference winner or finals winner. But I what I think is really interesting is I think it does speak to the Lakers ability to against, you know, some of these lesser teams, be they younger teams, be they kind of less focused teams. Those are the type of teams that I'm really going to try to target the Lakers. Like we talked about this on on Thursday. This Lakers team is now a team that I officially am am coming around on in in one sense. Against the Nuggets and the Clippers of the world, I don't think that that muck it up is going to work as well. And I still don't think that they are in that tier of of the top top tier of the West. But I'm telling you right now, if the if the Lakers play the Thunder in any round of the postseason, every smart hipster, you know sharp angle out there is they're going to be all over the thunder the numbers are going to love the thunder and i'm going to and then every every dumb dumb every like very square person is going to be on the lakers i'm going to be in lockstep with those dumb dumbs and squares because i i think that's like kind of the perfect team for the lakers to to muck up what the thunder do they're the thunder are going to have be so much more inexperienced i i can oh i almost am begging for this series because it will give me at least a little bit of an opportunity to win back some of the money I keep losing on the Lakers because of how they play teams like this. I think that's like a dream matchup to bet Lakers in a spot where I think sharp money would be on the Thunder. And I I think actually the, the Lakers would be kind of a square but smart play because of their style of play and the experience and all those factors that this Lakers team seems to have in spades outclass is like a, that's a tough word for it but it's more of the lakers are going to have a hard time versus teams that are in their tier if you're as good as the lakers and if you are as prepared as the lakers in terms of like high intensity basketball they don't match up great they don't have great shooting they don't have great performances anthony davis usually doesn't hit jumpers you know like miles turner's not going to file out of every game they have trouble on the interior. This is a really good matchup for them, and they played awesome. Like Davis, this is a this is the best game I've ever seen Davis play in person. He was absolutely phenomenal. Um, that said, it, when I think they are going to face a couple of teams that, or if they face some, certain teams, I think that they're going to have a hard time if they can't just outclass them. And we saw that the toughest team in the tournament against them was the Suns, who are on their level, but they were on the road and they weren't able to get it done. And in part because they were missing Bradley Beal. Um, and, but even then, like, that's an okay matchup for them because I don't know how good the Suns are. But you mentioned, like, yeah, you, you mentioned the Nuggets. And that's really the only team in the West that you can be like, absolutely, I know that they're on that level. Maybe Minnesota yeah. can prove it. Maybe OKC can prove it, right? 
Like maybe OKC can prove it. Cause I will say like, I think OKC is way better coached. I think they're way better coached and Shea is a much more of a professional than Zion and BI in terms of their of preparation and execution. Zion's really what I mean by that. BI's professionalism is fine. I'm, I'm just always kind of like, okay, BI is going to dribble around and then take a tough contested jumper over two dudes. And this is not sustainable. Um, Joe, kind of what were your impressions from the Lakers winning the IST? Uh, I mean, I thought it was obviously impressive, right? Like they, they just smoked everybody. Um, I do think it was interesting. Like I kind of had a laugh because I was watching the post game media and they were like asking LeBron, I'm like paraphrasing, but they were asking LeBron, like how he felt about the team. Like, could they contend in the playoffs? And he was like, it's December, <laughs> like you know, like, well, we have a lot of steps. Like it's too far to go, blah, blah, blah. It was very, very cagey in terms of what he was saying. And it was like, I was like, when I'm hearing this, all I'm hearing is like, I'm happy we won this. It's awesome we won this. This is important. It matters. Um, and it should matter going forward. Uh, but also half of the roster might be traded for Zach Levine <laughs> in a week. Like, like that, that, was, that was literally what I took from that. Uh, so just because of the way he was dancing around the issue so much. I don't know. Thank uh, you, Cam Reddish, for making yourself more valuable as a trade piece for Zach Levine. In no, a week sir. No, no, sir. No, sir. Cam Reddish is clutch. He's not going anywhere. I love I love Cam Reddish actually. Uh, I, can't he looked, stand him. I, I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious when they were starting him. Um, yeah, he's been really good. The defense he's has been great. good, and he's been hitting threes. He's been really good. So I, I will kind of put this on the other side. I put two bets in in the Action Network app on Sunday morning when I got back to Colorado, and it's I bet the Lakers eighteen to one to win the NBA title. And I bet Lakers, Sixers, and the finals matchup. Everyone knows, that listed the buckets knows how I like the finals matchups. Uh, that's at 70 and a half to one. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> look, I guess here's the thing. There, I wrote about this on Action Network. For me, the reason that I actually bet it was, one, my numbers have liked the Lakers. Like, I got a lot of shit for a tweet where I was like, hey, I've got the Lakers actually like fourth best in the league. And then they had some sort of embarrassing loss and everybody was like clowning it. And then now I'm like, oh, like this, you know, they got healthier. I I am not somebody that's like, well, we got to get healthy. You know, no one's going to be healthy in the NBA regulars. Like no one, no one's going to be healthy. Like Andrew Nemhart was out with a stay for the, for the Pacers. Who? Well, look, when you're the Pacers, Andrew Nemhart really matters. Um, And just like for the Lakers, like, Jared Vanderbilt really matters. Rui Hachimura really matters. The thing for me, though, is it was proof of concept, is that when they got to high-intensity basketball, what the Lakers want to do works. And there's a lot of stuff. Like, when LeBron talks about the steps, you're right that there's trades in there. There's also, I think, an understanding from him pers- his perspective of, like, he talked about habits. I think on some level, he also knows like he's got to stay healthy. He's got to make it through another four months of basketball of a him and AD being able to like play. They've both got to be healthy in the playoffs. And that's been a very tough hill for them to climb. However, for me, it's as simple as I have them projected to be a top three seed in the Western conference right now. And so the the question here, I think is, well, do you think that's going to hold or not? And my thing is, I don't think it's any more or less likely than anybody else. I have serious questions about Denver. I have serious questions about Phoenix. I am ready to bury the Golden State Warriors here in a minute. Like, 
there are not juggernauts at the bottom. I'm waiting to catch up. And so I think the Lakers are live and I have proof of concept. Like concept worked for them. So Jim, I will go to you. I think this is a good value on the Lakers right now. Maybe I'm buying high, but for me, this is like a, a it's an inflection point. They're either going to use the IST as something to boost them into the second half of the season. And like, I'm probably not getting the best of the number, but when I analyze things, I was like, I do want to get a position on the Lakers now having the extra information of proof of concept works. Does that make sense as a reason for why I put money in on the Lakers to win the title? Yes and no, I think. I So I am, even though I just kind of said I am, you know, waking up begging for a Lakers Thunder series to to bet the Lakers, I am still pretty low on this team, especially as it comes. I, I do think that you just said it. You're you're kind of buying high. Like the moment right now, I think that the, if anything, they're going to, you know, LeBron clearly c- cared about that in-season tournament. I think yep. if anything, we might see a little bit of a lull in the season from them and people forget about their ceiling and, and to be honest, I, I I just don't have them at that level that I, I want to be betting a future on them as a whole because I, I see it as proof of concept that they can muck things up and they can beat a young, some young inexperienced teams. But I don't really see it as proof of concept that they can win another big tournament because these these three games that they got that the in the single elimination games, we talked about the insane shooting that they have they got all in season tournaments. You know, yeah. they were shooting thirty percent before, they're up to forty five percent in the in season. And then in the championship, they didn't have that same level of crazy luck, but they uh they got the best AD game that you've seen live and you know, a, a season high for points. Uh, you said knocking down mid-range jumpers. I, to me, that isn't a full proof of concept. I I, I am still lower on this team in general. I, I'm going to pick my spots with them. I really will like them against some of these other teams in, in like a series. But I think the West is deep enough and and talented enough that I, I don't really want to be on their, their futures right now myself. I think a lot of this for me is it's honestly, it's a fade where I've got the Wolves as the best, or I actually have the Thunder right now as the best team in the conference. And we talked about like the inexperience, right? Like they haven't won a playoff yeah. series. Yeah. If they go in as a top three seed and they're favored and they play some veteran team, whether it's the Lakers or somebody else, like if it's three six or two seven uh Thunder versus Clippers, how are you gonna feel? Like if the Clippers are healthy, which I know is always an if, like you're gonna be you've kind of talked about the inexperience factor. Um, the Wolves are the other one, and it's like, look, the Wolves are excellent, and I think that they're great, and I, we, I, we bet the hell out of them. They're the anti-Grizzlies and that they're the one that we hit on. We were like, we love this team, love the division, love their overs, love their all-overs, and they're paying off. They look exactly like it. Do I consider the Thunder and the and the Wolves to be, like, serious, like, title contenders? I'm like, probably not. I don't know if I – maybe. I hope so. I think it would be an awesome story. I would fucking love like a Thunder, give me Thunder Wolves in the conference finals and I'm a happy man. <laughs> That's not the arc of NBA history. And so the 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 one that you're going to keep coming back to here is Denver. Yeah. I will have a spot where I want to bet Denver. It's just not now. The market right now is still like, the market right now is sticky as hell on, nope, not buying it. The Nuggets are still really good. Nope, nope, yeah. nope, nope. The Nuggets are the best team. Nope, they got off to that great start. And I'm like, look under the hood. The the Jokic Murray minutes are not awesome. The Jokic Murray Gordon minutes are not awesome, and it's like, yeah, they're not good now, but they'll be good come April. But by that time, the attrition will have hit their regular season win record, and we will get a better number on them. Don't get me wrong; I will have a, a Nuggets position later, 
I like them to beat the Lakers, but the number, but right now the market is kind of telling me like, no, 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 the Lakers won the IST, but they're not serious. It's Denver. And I'm like, that's closer than the market is kind of indicating. Um, I want to hit you guys with a couple of other bets I made on Sunday, but I don't, I want to make sure that we have time for this. So I want to give Jim the floor to talk about clutch player. He's got a breakdown on actionnetwork.com and in the action network app. Clutch player of the year is a bet is something that you can actually bet. There is one player in particular that he's going to talk about that I have bet that I think is a stone, not stone cold. That's a terrible phrase that in our industry <laughs> is a high value prospect right now to be betting at an absolutely ridiculously stupid number. Uh, but Jim, give me the lowdown on what you think about clutch player of the year. Yeah. So I'll be relatively brief here. Cause I, I do think people should check, check out the article. I, I you know, I, I think there's some good stuff in there, but part of why I said in the article is I want to wait until this in-season tournament, because I think that this in-season tournament, I don't think it's going to be the deciding factor, but I think it could be a deciding factor. Um, and so there's really three names that I'm looking at here um, at, at their current prices. And if you don't know this market, which you probably haven't memorized the clutch player of the year award market off the back of the back of your hand, but uh, Dame is a very heavy favorite. Um, he was before the end season, uh, their loss in the end season, he was about plus 150. That's down to about plus 250. But three guys, Halliburton is 15 to one, LeBron James, 10 to one, and Mike Bridges 50 to one. So I'll talk through these three real quick. Um, but just before I do, I'll, let me use as an example why I don't want to be on Dame right now. So he, as of um, a week ago, he was leading the NBA in clutch points by a, a healthy margin. Now, flash forward one week later. So that was when I wrote that article. He had 12 more clutch points than anyone in the NBA. And that was a pretty heavy determinant of who won the award last year when De'Aaron Fox won. Steph Curry went absolutely bananas in games that were defined as clutch in the last week. And now Steph leads because he had 23 clutch points in the last week. So this is very volatile. It's very early in the season to be betting a favorite. Dame has had a lot of clutch success uh, for the Bucks this season. It's part of the reason that their record's probably a little bit better than than it maybe deserves to be. But I, I'm I'm not going near that favorite right now, especially with you know they they just lost in the in season. Whereas Halliburton now has he's now up to fifth um, in clutch points to, if we look at total for the season. Uh, tied with LeBron. Both of these guys had great runs in the in-season. Both of them had big moments. Halliburton especially, you know, that 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 game in the semifinals, I think is really going to stick in a lot of people's mind as kind of his like arrival, his dad courtside going nuts, him having those dagger threes, him hitting Dame with the with his own Dame celebration. That's the kind of stuff that's going to, will stick in a voter's mind at the end of the season. And then Michael Bridges is really you know, we talk a lot about um, building portfolios and, and get grabbing guys who, you know, we see being in the top five to 10 later on in the year so that we can leverage those plays. He's right now 50 to one, despite being second, um, or I guess he's now third because Steph had such a crazy week. He's third um, in the league in total clutch points and he's uh, second in field goal attempts. Uh, I don't see it like Cam Thomas really hasn't had an impact on his usage in the clutch either. Um, even in the games that Cam Thomas has been around, Michael Bridges has been the guy. He had a game winner um, the day that I released the article. It was one of those like great timing. I was like, oh, this is this is very nice. So you can still get him out there, though, at 50 to one in the market. Um, so those three guys, Halliburton, LeBron James and Michael Bridges, um, I think are all at really good numbers. You can build yourself a portfolio that then if Dame does hold on to it, and he's something like plus 150 with a month ago. We're like, all right, let's cash these in, get some money on Dame. Um, but for the for right now, those three guys are really um, the ones that I like. So in the fourth quarter or overtime, between in the last 90 seconds to tie or take the lead, 
So Steph has the most points on clutch play where you're inside five points in the final minute. Okay. The problem though is like those actually aren't the highest of the high leverage plays. It's like the Warriors are down five and he hits a three to make it two and then they foul and he does it over and over and over again. They're six and six in those clutch games because the Warriors are are gonna be pretty decent and they're not as good as you would kind of expect. Mikhail's got the the most to tie or take the lead in the last 90 seconds at six this season. You mentioned like that game versus the Hawks where it's like, yeah, he hit one. What what serendipity? No, no, no. He had like four in like the last like <laughs> five, like 10 seconds. It was nuts. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, he is absolute onions. He is stones. So I, I bet Mikhail based off of Jim was like, Hey, how do I look this stuff up? And I was like, Oh, you do this and this, and then we get this. And I was like, Holy shit. Mikhail's got all these buckets. I got to get on Mikhail. So that to me, I think is the best value here. Um, the Halley stuff I think is an interesting one. Braun is another interesting one, but in general, I do think that Mikhail Bridges is probably the best value on the board. Um, given that Steph probably will tail off. This will be very volatile, but I actually think that Mikhail has a good shit. Like, I think the Nets are going to play a bunch of close games, Joe, and I think he's going to make a lot of them. It's cool to see him kind of stepping up. Yeah, no, I, I like the Mikhail bet, especially at the number. I like Hallie. I, my problem with Hallie is that they have no more national televised games. So, like, <laughs> it's, like, like, like it's hard to have Farewell. the moment. It's hard to have the moment when they don't have any more games. So, like, I, I it's that's one of the problems that's one that's really like i think with jim's point saying like the ist was like a spot for him it's like Mm -hmm. yeah maybe now people will like pay attention maybe you see a couple more clips on like like on like on the news or like whatever but like it's definitely like a tough spot to like carve out this like clutch award when like it feels so like moment based as opposed to maybe like even stat based and it's like if you're not on tv it's hard to it's hard to get those eyeballs. I did a bunch of numbers on Monday morning flying back and then made a bunch of bets once I got back to Colorado um, based off of my projections off of power rating. And so basically you can take a power rating and you can extrapolate it into expected wins. And then I, what I do is then I, I adjust it off of how many win, what your actual record is now. So it kind of compensates for even if you've underperformed so far here's what you should do in the remaining games that you have, which is, I think, and so I looked for some differentials in what I was looking for was I wanted to find teams who, by my numbers, are going to go over or going to outperform what the market expects, even if they're behind the eight ball or if you're betting the under ahead of the curve in actual wins it kind of provides an opportunity to be like yeah they won these but over the course of the season there's a good chance over the next 60 games for them to regress um quickly i've I've been over on orlando 44 and a half there's one of those in the market at plus 122 look the magic are not are not going to be a 50 win team but i do think that this team is tracking with their defense and they have been so good without two starters and like I'm a guy that often says, like, hey, injuries don't necessarily matter as much as you think that they do. Getting Wendell Carter Jr. back instead of Goga Batase, as good as Goga has, has to matter. Orlando's got trade chips. Jalen Suggs has taken a leap. They're awesome at home. I'm always worried about those December teams. I talk about the mirror teams, but I don't think Orlando's one of them. I genuinely, like, I'm not betting Rocket stuff because the market is pretty online with them. But Orlando, there's... A, like, I think they're going to win 40. If I am even a little bit conservative on them, 
I still think like 47 and a half should be where the number is. I get a plus number on them. Do either of you object or support that play on Orlando? I love Orlando. I'm I'm with you. I, I, I like the spot. I think that they you could either take that or even dabble a little bit with winning the division. I'm not sure what the number is, but I think that both of those are probably in play. Jim, it's time. I looked at my numbers. <laughs> I looked at my numbers. I did all I did all the number crunching. I did I did the shooty hoops number crunching. And I've got the Washington Wizards. As absolute dog shit as they have been. As frustrating as they are, as I am manually correcting them down because I think that they are so bad, uh, I still have them projected for 30 wins this season, which is not, they're not going to hit 30. But there's a 24 and a half in the market at plus 260. And at 2.6 to 1, I was willing to take a little bit of a taste on it. Do you, I actually have a, one more thing on this. This is a, um, I was not, this is not just a numbers thing. I heard I talked to a few people this weekend and I was asking about the teams and like the ones that are heading in. Yeah, they think they've got something or they are just like, this is a tryout year. And I'm still working on some of those. What I've heard with the Wizards is they're comfortable with their trajectory. Um, There's not going to be a coaching change. There's not going to be major trades. They're not going to abandon like. They're not going to make all these major trades. And so if you're listening to this and you're like, but Matt, they're garbage. So they're not going to get any better because they don't think that they have to. You're right. But here's the thing. Continuity matters a whole lot. And if they're going to sit anybody in the back half of the year, guess who it's going to be? It's going to be Jordan Poole and all that money. And Jordan Poole not playing probably helps. Jim, I think there's a little yeah. bit of value here. I, you need, don't just play the over. Take something like this at 24 and a half. That's a really low number for a plus 260 that I found in the market for them to get to 25 wins at 20 at two, plus 260. Well, it's important. It's important to have a personal brand and you know, my personal brand is Washington wizards, baby. So yeah, of course <laughs> I'm going to be with you on this. I, I think that by adjusted net rating, they have been a little bit unlucky, but this is, this is something we talked about. And actually when I saw it on, on the doc here from you, I wondered if you were going to say something almost the opposite of what you just said, ironically, because before the season, one thing I had talked about is like, I wanted to eye Wizards win totals throughout the season because I thought some of their more likely players to get traded were some of the players that were going to be holding them down. We've talked before about how it's the starters for the Wizards who are truly terrible. That's If you look at the starting starters versus yeah. bench net rating splits for the Wizards, it's the starters who kill them. They they get they just start off terribly every game. And then the bench is actually kind of fun and spunky and, you know, has has a little bit of over 24 of and a half plus 260 <laughs> them. So I don't I think Jordan Poole, unfortunately, has played so heinously that he has played himself out of any potential trade. But I still think there's a couple of guys who are maybe clogging up the rotation who could be a, be smaller moves for the Wizards here and potentially open up for fun younger guys. Um, like you said, maybe Poole does get just the bench at some point. I think that would, would help them. He also can't, almost can't play worse than he has been playing. Like, I don't think, I think he is not a good player. I don't think he's a serious player, but I think he's a little bit better than this. So I do think, I think this is almost the opposite of the Lakers. I think this is like the perfect buy low on the Wizards. Now, again, I have been, you know, <laughs> we talk about being tied to your priors. Yeah. Being low on the Lakers and too high on the Wizards is definitely my priors. So you <laughs> you kind of baited me with both of these. Um, but I, 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 at plus 260, I think there is a little something to like there. The biggest worry is that they just pack up shop at some point yeah. and, you know, they're, they're not 
worried but, about getting wins. So that, that probably is the biggest worry. But by your admission, if they pack it up, that means that the yeah, guys exactly. who are playing better are playing more. So. Exactly. Exactly. I will say the one guy I think that I, I do think actually gets moved is Tyus Jones. I don't think they're going to want to commit the money. Like Tyus is looking for a starting job, making it a lot of money. And his agent has to be absolutely just losing his mind because he has like one of the worst <laughs> net ratings and like plus yeah. minus in the league. They're getting killed in his minutes. And that's going to, as much as like, that's not like, that's not going to matter a lot in contract negotiations, but like some GMs will be like, well, okay, I can't be like paying X amount a year for a guy who literally lost the most in his minutes last year. You don't want to be that guy. So Tyus Jones is one I, may, I think might move on. We'll wrap up here with two Western Conference futures. Oh, Joe, you uh, you have a, a Wolves thing that you want to talk about. I mentioned them earlier and didn't give you a chance to. No. Uh, do you have something to add on the Wolves? I, I mentioned this. I mentioned the division last week on uh, the Friday episode at plus 180. Uh, I like them at... I kind of like them for the one seed too. Uh, you can get that as high as like yep. plus two forty, and sixty plus wins is plus six eighty in the market. <laughs> um, which I think I like. I I think that you probably they probably need to get to sixty wins to have the best record in the league, right? Or to even maybe even be the one seed. Um, so at plus six eighty, you have a cut, and for the sixty plus, I think you get a couple more outs there. Uh, if they continue on the current pace that they're at, they would win like sixty five or 66 games so this gives you a little bit of room for some regression and like i said i like i we're betting at the top it's tough to say like they're going to be the team like the 17 and 4 team for the rest of the season uh like it would be like a historic run basically for this for this team um but i do think the number at plus 680 given where we are so far at 17 and 4 a quarter 25 percent of the way through the season i like I, I don't think it's completely unreasonable as like a sprinkle if you kind of take this progression upwards. This isn't an either or. This is an instead a tandem bet. If you want to yeah. bet the 60 at 680, you need to also bet Chris Finch, coach of the year at 320. Mm. Yeah. Like there is no scenario in which the Minnesota Timberwolves win 60 games and Chris Finch does not win coach of the year unless Mark Dagonal wins 62. Like that's the only scenario in which that happens. Honestly, yeah. like a good, this is, we'll talk about this more next week. A very good coach of the year cap right now is you should be asking yourself, which of the two between the thunder and the wolves, who's going to win more games. And you should have that at least as part of a betting position. You can bet other guys if you think they're going to, you know, get in the, in the conversation, but Dagonal is number one right now. He's plus two eighty in the market. in at one book I see, um, and Finch is plus 320. I think Finch has a, has more sustainability than the Thunder. That may be just, I don't want to, I don't want to get my hopes up too much about OKC because God, they're so much fun. Um, but that's something I think to consider on the other end of this. I put two bets in on teams to miss the, the Western Conference playoffs. I bet the Kings at, uh, I got a plus 255. And I got the Warriors at plus 205. I've already bet the Warriors in preseason. I bet them again. I'm not like, yeah, they're going to, I'm just like, the market is, is still very reluctant here. Putting these at two to one, that's a considerable sign of, a, of skepticism from the market. Like that's the market being like, yeah, I mean, I know that like, they look like garbage and they can't win close games and they look soulless and dead inside and they're losing the Steph minutes, but there's still only a 33% implied chance that they're going to miss the playoffs. 
I just think it's higher than that. I don't think it's like, God, I will say, I think it's probably more likely than not that they miss. And I know that sounds crazy, but when I look at the numbers and I look at, and part of that is probably going to require a team like ugh, the new Orleans Pelicans um, to edge them out in a play in <laughs> game. Right. So that's part of the, the cap here too. I have them projected right now at 10. Like I have them as the 10th best team. So in the Western conference, I, I have no choice here, but to go on in on them and Kings are a similar deal. I have Kings eight right now, but the thing is, is like I have Kings eight number nine right now is the Denver nuggets who are playing like garbage. That's where they're currently power rated at. If I were to do like a full season adjustment, Denver's way up there. Like Denver's going to be fine. Denver will probably finish with the top four seed. That said, that bumps ever, the Kings down a spot if the Nuggets go over them. This just gets me into a position where I do think that there's value on them at any number with a two in front of it and a plus for them to miss the playoffs. Jim, that's just where I'm at. Yeah, I think of the two, I mean, I really love the Kings one. I'm I'm really with you on, on being low on the Kings from both a short-term and long-term perspective right now. Um, the Warriors, I'm a little bit more hesitant, and uh, you kind of touched on the reason why. I think... Because that that seven to ten range right now is is so so much different than we're used to when when we think of you know historically betting make or miss playoffs are you a top eight seed now there's the play in tournament which is an environment I would really like the Warriors in especially against a, a clown team like the Pelicans that's like a, a peak you know Warriors are are top in the Pelicans in that game so I I, I would wonder and. You know, the potential of them being in the play-in as a bet. Now, you're not going to get as good a number or a seed thing or a win thing. So I can't completely hate it because I am also a little bit skeptical of these Warriors. I just think that they are – I feel like they're likely to finish in that 7-10 to morass, and I'll like them in that game. But you can hedge out. There are ways to get around it, but – I. I at that number I'm I'm in on the Kings. I'm definitely I I think I'm gonna bet it right after us. The Warriors, I'm a little bit more hesitant. But but what if it's our Grizzlies? Oh man. Yeah, I gotta see something from the Grizzlies. <laughs> like a sign of life yeah. there. Yes, yeah, need need proof of life before they do it. Yeah. Uh, Joe, do you have thoughts on either one of those? Uh, look, I, I kind of like both, to be honest with you, uh, in large part, because just based on like where they are in the standings, the Clippers have looked like they're kind of getting it together. They're um, good. And they're, I think yeah. they're going to be fine. Uh, so that's like another spot there. And, you know, like the Rockets, I think are like good enough to just like stick around. Like they're well coached. Like, I think they're just going to clog this up. This is not going to be a scenario, especially for the Warriors. I don't think it's going to be an easy to climb the West scenario. Um, like, I think it's going to be very sticky um, in the West just because of the talent there. And like with the Timberwolves and the Thunder having such hot starts, right? It's like, even if they regress, like that's a lot of passing you got to do to get by them. And like, it's really more like if the Timberwolves and Thunder come down, maybe they go to five, six and then it's like, well, you're not going to pass them then. So I, I do like the spot because you could wind up in a scenario where the Kings and the Warriors are playing each other and you know, you're just going to cash one of those tickets in the play. That Thunder game was another example of the Warriors were like reaching for yeah, we're going to do what we always do, and we're going to outplay this young, plucky, and no. No Shea Gillis Alexander is just going to rip your soul out like Shang Tsung. That's that's all that's going to happen. All right, that's going to do it pizza rolled. On Tuesday, we'll be back with best bets for the Tuesday slate. We'll be off and running as we're back into the regular season. Thanks for joining us. You can catch Joe Delera on Twitter and in the Action Network app at Joe Delera. Jim is at Turby Bets on the HP Basketball. 
My thanks to, to David Payne, our producer, Hutton Jackson, the video crew, getting us up on YouTube, youtube.com slash the action network. We'll see you guys again tomorrow. Till then, let's get buckets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.